0: Episode 7 of Blue Sky Stinking from Guideline. This time we have a look at the heady world of recruiting. Let's have a look at how Zelda handles finding staff in one of us. A call from one of our oldest friends has Zelda coming back to the dog and bone for a catch-up.
1: Over here, sweetie How totes amazeballs to see you Penny, how are you doing? It's been, well, absolutely ages Who is this? Zelda, this is Brioch, my oldest Get away with you, little
0: Brioche A Brioche is a roll.
1: Well noted And you used to be so soft and plump too When you were younger, that is What a handsome chap you've turned into. Well, thank you very much. What brings you to my neck of the woods? You still in Surrey? Oh, yes. It's lovely living in the Garden of England. I thought that was Kent. Oh, close enough, darling. It's close enough. Anyway, I saw from your Facebook posts that you were starting exciting new things. (gasps) Oh, yes. Yes, I am. It's amazing being your own boss and having complete control over everything. I am going to rock the business world with innovative approach and ideas. That sounds marvellous, Sel. I saw you were hiring too. Oh, yes. Interviews start next week. Are you well practised in your techniques? I've seen some travesties in my time in HR in the city. Oh. I'd forgotten you were a personnel expert. Human capital, darling. Personnel is so last century. Oh, right. Human capital it is. You still at it? No, no. Gave that up with child number four. Robbie is doing so well with his business, I don't need to work. I'm a mummy of leisure. Four
0: kids? You're still the favourite. P. Pios Goyal once said it's equal opportunity for all and we don't play favourites.
1: Oh, right. Well, that's nice. Are you studying English or politics or something?
0: I've just finished my philosophy BA in York.
1: Finished? Holy smoke, Penny! You've got a child that's finished university! I know. We're so proud of him. He's the first Benaligan to make it through university. He's looking for his first job now. Really? What do you fancy doing, Brioche? Oh, sorry, Brioch.
0: I think philosophy has prepared me so well for any number of jobs. Marketing, legal, politics, the list goes on.
1: You should try your interview techniques on Brioch's Try it. Go on. (laughs) Well, yes, I could. Well, Mr Penhaligon, what do you think you would bring to being my, uh, uh, my personal assistant?
0: I'm reliable and polite. I have a wonderful way with people which puts them at ease. I have worked in high stress... Customer-facing roles which demand high performance and accuracy. I believe that I would make an excellent executive assistant by making you more efficient and look brilliant, even when you're not there. Oh, wow. That's
1: quite an answer. Right, see? He's perfect. Go on, ask him another. Right. OK. Ooh, a hard one. What's your biggest weakness...
0: I struggle with sticking out in the crowd. I prefer to make those around me look good before putting myself forward for honour and glory. So I would give too much in making you look good. Well, that is wonderful.
1: (laughs) Congratulations, Mr Penhalligan. Welcome aboard. You've got the job. When can
0: you start? Monday.
1: What?
2: Oh, that's wonderful,
1: Sal. I never dreamt you'd give him a job. What?
0: Yes, thank you very much, Miss Zero. I appreciate your faith in me. But
1: we'll have to find somewhere for you to live. Your Uncle Wilson lives around here. Perhaps we should pop in for a visit. I'm so excited, Zell. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, uh no pr- problem. That's some um, uh, great. I'll get us a bottle of Prosecco to celebrate.
0: It's time to start recruiting properly. So, finally, in the new meeting room in Sideline's premises, Zelda sits down with Catherine before seeing their first interviewee for the day.
1: This is nerve-wracking. It can be daunting, but as long as you're clear on the requirements for the job and have some good questions to find out whether the candidate fits, you should be fine. Oh. I was going to wing it. All right. A tad risky, but we'll cope. For what role are we interviewing today? All of them. Have you any role profiles I can look at? No, not done anything like that yet. Right. What are the questions you would like me to ask? Whatever you think fits the moment. So, hold on. The next person in is... Oh, not sure. I told people to come in this morning and Brioch will give them a number and I'll call them on a first-come, 1st serve basis. No application form? No, so old hat. No CV? So last century. Winging it? Yep. Dig into their inner psyche with insightful questions and see if their face fits and what kind of job would suit them. Then I'll make them a role to fit. I dare to ask... Do you have a list of roles or organisation chart? Catherine, we are a modern organisation with modern processes and modern practices. So there is a process? In my head. Any documentation at all for me to reference? Nope. Revel in the winging it methodology.
0: Miss Eleanor Capitan. Eleanor, may I introduce Zelda Zero and Kath Cash?
1: Catherine.
0: Oops, <laughs> sorry, Catherine.
1: L, I I never knew you were coming in for an interview. I thought you worked overseas. Brioch? Yes? Could you make us all coffees, please? Cat, S- sorry, Catherine, Hmm.
0: Your wish is my command.
2: Black for me, please.
0: Black? Uh, how do you make black coffee? It's usually, well, coffee coloured.
2: Don't add milk.
0: Got it, Kay. Ooh, like the men in black.
2: <sighs> L,
1: Elle. Elle! so good to see you again. Uh, cat. Cat. Erin! Elle is a financial whiz. We just have to have her on our books. Can I ask a few financial questions? Oh, don't bother. Elle, you're hired. Oh, I sound like Alan Sugar. When can you start?
2: One of us to go. Now it's different. I want you to know. One of us is One of us is lying.
3: And there we have recruitment sideline style. I wonder what our guests will have to say about Zelda's approach. Yes, you heard correctly. Two guests today in the form of Donna Negus from Sequoia Specialist Employment Services and Oliver Watson from Watson Evans Associates. Welcome to you both.
2: Thank you very much for inviting us.
3: Thank you, Russell. Thank you. So I'm intrigued um, as to how the blazes of this is going to work. So whilst I work up that challenge, perhaps Oliver, could you kick off a little bit about yourself?
4: Thank you, Russell. Um, yes, I run Watson Evans Associates where... We focus on helping our clients find their next key employee to enhance their teams. And the flip side of that is we help people find their next challenge. Um, we work on a, a variety of positions in different sectors from accountancy through to HR. Um, and we, we're, we're small enough to be able to tailor our service precisely to each individual role and company needs.
3: Brilliant, thanks. And... Donna, um, I've heard you announce yourself as the best-looking solicitor in the room. I think that is the case today as well. So what's, what's, what's your Given story? Given that I'm the
2: only solicitor here, yeah, absolutely. Hey, I wasn't, I wasn't saying that. <laughs> Thanks, Russell. Um, yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm an employment solicitor, but I have two hats. Um, I run uh, an employment business, uh, an HR consultancy called Sequoia. Um, there are six of us, and we provide support to employers from those who have one employee all the way up to those who have hundreds of employees. And we do everything from writing contracts to writing handbooks to dealing with disciplinaries, grievances, insider trading issues, um, very complex compliance issues, um, anything at all really that relates to people and and how you manage people. Um, And we do that um, all the way through from conception to people taking on an employee all the way through to, to ending their their career with that particular business and moving on to something new
3: okay so uh we've certainly got the the qualifications to have a talk about this this particular episode um let's let's turn our attention back to to what we've we've heard uh, at sideline any initial observations about zelda's style haphazard
4: (laughs) (laughs) that's fair to say yeah
2: <laughs> it, it's fairly unique, that's for sure. Um, al- although you'd say it's fairly unique, I, I was the reality say, I think is well
4: yeah. the problem might be that it's not that unique, and mm. and that's perhaps the problem um, is that it should be unique <laughs> and not applied at all.
3: No, but it but it, it, it unfortunately is stuff y- you've seen. I expect, and I I must admit I've seen myself.
2: Unfortunately, though, when when people do take this haphazard approach, um, also known as winging it, um, <laughs> it you know it, it's neither good for the business nor the person who's going for the job who's expecting no. you know someone to have put a bit of time and effort into making sure that they're recruiting the right person because they're often perhaps leaving a job that that they that they love but want to progress in their careers, and if the person who is um, the the person who's interviewing them doesn't even know what they want then that's a huge waste of time for everybody and, and actually really quite sad.
3: Yeah. OK. So disrespectful to, to the process. Yeah. It is. Mm. So we heard there Briox uh, recruitment, let's call it, uh, politely, um, or it was somewhat manipulated by Penny, his mother. So did were there any alarm bells that, that rung
4: at either of you there? I think quite a few went off um, as, we, as we were listening to it there, didn't they, um, from the complete lack of process um, Mm. through to the fact that Zelda mentions she's already got interviews lined up for later in the week so yeah there's a whole myriad isn't there and his mother as well has clearly prepared him for those potential questions coming and his answers are so flowing and so scripted and beautifully put that yeah think you think um, the old human capital <laughs> has uh, had a yes. bit of an input there don't you
2: Yeah and and I think yeah I mean the, the the there are huge red flags aren't there I mean for a start you know why you know why were they meeting just off hat you know on in a in a random situation when clearly he needs a job he's clearly overqualified for the job that he's going to or he thinks he is um and you know i mean uh, and we can talk about this later but it's it's interesting there's um a, a real thought process around uh two different types of candidates for a job one who has a um and and i can't believe i'm an employment lawyer saying this but silver spoon and the other one that's called the scrapper and we can go into this later but but you know clearly he, um, you know, is is somebody heading into a role with somebody who is very, very unprepared for anything. And, uh, I mean, that in itself is a recipe for disaster.
3: Yeah, yeah. And what about the location? Obviously, it was taking place in a pub, but...
2: I've seen disciplinaries happen happen in a pub. <laughs> <laughs> I sat behind one the other day. Oh, so, sat sat
3: behind hearing somebody else's interview. Literally, literally,
2: yes, literally. So, um, but so nothing surprises me. I'm afraid, but yeah, it's not it's, ideal, it's, is it?
4: No, it's not the most professional environment um, for a, an interview of any description, whether it's manipulated and created by a third party or not. It's it's just yeah. it, it's simply wrong, isn't it? I mean, I I have heard of employees conducting first round interviews away from the office environment yes but it's not usually in a busy pub environment where you know various distractions are going on behind it it might be a quiet little cafe um, and a neutral ground conversation sort of interview rather than
3: yeah, which can sometimes generate uh, a more relaxed environment for you to than the Exa- formal interview session.
4: Exactly, would, but yeah. it it would be a part of a process, not the entire process. And you know, I think it'd be a little bit more in depth than. Um, here's my boy. Yeah. Ask him a question. There's the answer. Good. You got a good job. Yeah,
3: <laughs> absolutely. And uh, cutting cutting Zelda some slack. I think she she, she was joking. When she, she wasn't expecting job it
2: exactly. And yeah.
3: uh, and then never had the the. She wasn't brave enough to turn around to her lifelong friend, or which she hadn't seen for years. So, uh, how good a friend she was, I don't know. <laughs> um, to to be able to say, no, I actually, I was just joking, and yeah, perhaps you'd like to line up properly for, mm. for something. But that,
2: to I think, the places. other thing about the the kind of having an interview in a pub, and and I I have known many people who who've done this and have been able to try and explain it away that it's you know it helps somebody feel at ease because it's in a very neutral environment etc etc but the there is a huge amount of research that says that somebody's Um, decision as to whether or not they're going to employ somebody is made within the first 10 seconds or the first you know half a minute and then they spend the rest of the interview trying to either prove or disprove their gut feeling about that person Mm. but the problem is that the that by by having an interview in such a uh, relaxed environment is that the person's not expecting that the person coming for an interview is expecting a formal um, Situation—they've built themselves up for that. They've, you know, and, and then to take them completely out of that is almost unfair. Aside from all the other issues over data protection and all of those sorts of things of discussing things in public. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that's just kind of another thing thrown into the mix, really.
3: Okay. So, in in terms of questions, uh, we we heard um, a, a couple of questions from Zelda there. What, 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 what a good questioning and what a bad questioning for techniques for for interviews.
4: Good questions and bad questions. Um...
3: Are, are there any no-nos, I, guess... I suppose, would be my...
2: I mean, from a legal point of view, the the obviously any questions around um, somebody's family circumstances. I mean, even you can throw in you know general questions such as where do you want to be in five years time? It's always a it's always a good idea to know where somebody wants to be so that you can see whether or not your your business and your business values are aligned with that. Um, but but asking specifically about somebody's family circumstances or do they want to have children, which, believe it or not, people <sighs> still ask, um, wow. which is quite incredible. Um, but, yeah, so... Or asking about um, anything to do with anything that shows how old that person is, so any of the protected characteristics under the Equality Act um, would be absolutely a no-no. And uh, another thing that... Um, is, is very widely spoken about at the moment, is this idea of of putting too much emphasis on looking at people's backgrounds rather than looking at the skills they have now mm. and where they want to be rather than where they've been.
4: Yeah. Yeah, t- taking up on that, you get a lot of the, the big accounting practices. For example, the, the big four have changed their recruitment policies in some ways to for graduate recruitment or what used to be graduate recruitment it's like well do you need a degree to do the job or can you find somebody of a similar sort of age Mm. and level of experience who's just got the tenacity the drive the ambition and the actual ability to do the job are they as moldable and trainable um um like for like so they're they're kind of opening up to to a greater pool of candidates by doing that as well which is a positive for a lot of people that don't take the university route
2: these days. And also in relation to that, Oliver, that's a really good, uh, really good point to make. In that, you know, when you're looking at two candidates, and, and one may be from you know a top university and has come out with a first, and then you look at another individual who may be a bit older, but they've sort of gone through a route of jumping between jobs in order to get to where they are. You know, it, it's it's easy to say, okay, well, let's take the person with the first class honours degree. Um, because clearly they're going to be better. When the reality of it is that you know they may only have got into university because they had the, um, because they had the ability and the background to be able to get into that university in the first place, and and the scrapper as we call them that um, you know has has been brought up in the, in the uh, you know perhaps east end of London or has grown up in in you know fairly with a fairly poor background usually has had to work much harder to get where they need to be and and that's just life that's not you know uh-huh. that's not stereotyping that's just life but but with that brings you know other experiences so yeah. you know although their their education might look might look very different in reality the experience that they may bring to the job may actually be broadly similar um and also of course if you've if you've had to make sure that you make those decisions and make those right connections in order to get through to the job that you're now working for you might well find that those people are better connected especially if you're looking for someone who's very good at networking and is able to bring more clients into your business yeah
3: and uh, unfortunately uh, formal education we never, never train you in common sense I don't think no. there is a no. uh, a degree in common sense although, although everyone should have a degree of it um,
4: yeah, I'm sure we've all got that friend from university <laughs> or, or, or school who was, I've got one who was amazing at maths, he was oh, fantastically yeah, yeah. brilliant at maths, he couldn't boil an egg <laughs> 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 no, we'll hold a decent conversation which is, uh,
3: uh, they'll be very well prepared for an interview but yeah, step mm. them out and it's difficult for them to to really act in the real world.
4: Yeah. We we haven't we we've touched a lot on the the bad questions, which I yeah. suppose are in a way easier to identify than the good questions. Yes. Um, of what you should do, I think good lines of questioning focus on the skills that you need or that you're looking for. You've got a strong business case to bring into your company and into the role, and finding the right phrases to bring them out of the the applicants background as well so you can match up and actually score how appropriate their experience is to to what you're looking for which is perhaps a bit harder to identify than you know not asking if they're expecting children or anything like that (laughs) yes (laughs) and i I think it brings a whole new subject
3: perhaps for another day of of you know how do you prepare how do you prepare Hmm. well for an interview and and knowing that that you're going to make the right decision on what you hear and, and against what you want so, let's let's have a look at the the so called conversation pre interview with with uh, Catherine Cash and Zelda. Um, did you perceive anything brewing under the under the surface there of the conversation of, of Zelda's winging it methodology?
4: Yeah, there. Yeah, again, a couple of things <laughs> that spring to mind, aren't there? The fact that she has got no process, no clear decision making process um, or paperwork to support how she's reached decisions when it does come to appointing yeah. somebody is glaringly obvious I think um, and you need that kind of structure and support in a recruitment process to to ensure you are making the right sound decisions um, for your business as well as the right decisions for the, the from the candidate perspective as well
3: I suppose the, the, the follow-on from that is what could
2: happen. So the the idea that we, um, w- when we're advising clients on uh, recruiting somebody is to make sure that you have a very clear person spec, a very clear job description, a very clear understanding of where they're going to be in that organisation, who they're going to report to, what kind of personalities they're going to report to, so that you can then recruit the right person to ensure that you fit in with all of that. And if you don't do that, you know that the, ramica- the ramifications are huge. You know, like I said before, you, you're recruiting somebody who isn't prepared for that role. Ultimately, they're going to fail, and then I have to come in and cut them, which is never a nice decision, no. and it's n- and it's never a nice thing to do, not for you nor the candidate. Um, and, and you know, and often that that's that's soul destroying for the person who has who has come into your business, and also it doesn't make. In terms of PR, that that's horrendous PR for your company. You want your candidates to come in to work to to achieve uh, to and if they decide to move on, um, you let them move on. But they, you know, they they very much are an advert for your business. You yeah. know, these guys are really good to work for. You know, you you wouldn't expect an employee to stay in in you know their job for their entire life. That wouldn't. It, that's not the way things happen anymore. No. And if your business is moving the way it should do, then then things change and people do move on. But when they move on into those new jobs, the idea is that you're always a place they'll want to come back to if they decide to to do that at some point. Um, Or they're a very good advert for other people joining your organisation. And you're wanting to make sure that you attract the very best candidates. You know, we always say to clients, don't hire people who are mediocre because... Somebody who is mediocre to you will be the best candidate for somebody else because every business differs so much, but always, always take on the best person for the job and 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 if you don't that can be incredibly expensive you know we have to come along and they they don't perform in their jobs so we then have to deal with it as a disciplinary or as a capability yeah. and then you have to give them you know uh, um, targets in order to work to and that's demoralizing and and managers never get it right and and it and it very much feels constantly like a like a just it's just a horrible situation yeah um so you know and and that becomes expensive mm. um, both to manage but also to get intern, you know external advice in and then when you have to let that person go again you know then it's expensive to get somebody new in
4: yeah i think sometimes there's a tendency to to rush recruitment you know it is mm. such a minefield area it is a tricky thing to do and at the end of the day you're dealing with people and they're capable of independent thought whether you agree with (laughs) it or not and they can at the end of the process or four weeks in decide do you know what this isn't for me I'm Mm -hmm. off Um, which is incredibly frustrating yes so I think sometimes people rush it because they want it to be done and dusted and Mm -hmm. move on to the next thing and to get their team working again but obviously the the brave and right thing to do is to take your time, set your processes up properly and make a sensible decision based on facts that you've got from the process that you've gone through from the job specification, the person specification. You've got a clear path as to where they're fitting into your company um, and and move forward from there rather than one morning sort of a group interview sort of thing. Great. You're, you're my person. I'm going to take you. And uh, that's recruitment done for the year. Fantastic. Inevitably, six weeks on or whatever, you'll be back to square one and thinking that this is recruitment's just a weight around your neck dragging you down.
3: And, I, I mean, you, you. one of your points you made there uh, is, uh, I think, was you, Donna, said about the um, social media or, or uh, I think I've seen on Indeed now, you, people can rate your company as an employer mm. um so obviously the 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 poorer your recruitment uh, or the poor you treat people ongoing but that's a different subject definitely um the the more likely you are to, to suffer in absolutely. in one of the most leading um recruitment um, tools in the marketplace at the moment yeah. uh, is that suddenly you're seen as a, a two-star employer
4: because you
2: absolutely and that's, uh, that's a terrible position to be in.
4: It is. And it's, I think it's very important on social media to get it right. Yeah. But it's also word of mouth. Yes. Um, we ran a recruitment masterclass recently, and one of the people in there gave a fantastic example of a negative impression that was created from a recruitment process. Basically, they'd sent in an application to this company. They'd had an interview. Eight weeks later they were still waiting for any sort of feedback and were being told by the internal HR department, well, we'll we'll tell you when we're ready. Mm. And he walked away from that company thinking, no way on earth I would ever apply for a job there again or recommend them to anybody. And it's like bad restaurant reviews. You don't Mm. necessarily tell people about all the good ones you go to, but you make sure you tell Tell everybody you can about the bad experiences you have. Yeah. Yep. And that word of mouth certainly in somewhere like our corner of the world, you know, Cornwall, yes, counts for a huge amount, and will either make recruitment even more difficult or a bit more smoother for for you in the future.
2: And of course, off the back of that, you were saying, um, Ollie, about you know, sort of bad recruitment. You know, if if you're not putting those processes in place, and you've you've, you've obviously got your list of of all the things that you want from this particular um, employee. But all those people who get rejected, what do they do? So, do you write back to them? Do you tell them? Do, what feedback do you give? Um, but more importantly, those people who didn't get the job, who are serial litigants, and let's be honest, yeah. we get a lot of them. Yes. Um, you know, what what are they going to do? Well, the first thing they're going to do is ask for for their for the sheets of anything that you wrote down whilst you're in that interview. And that's why it's really it's really good to have very good notes about why you chose the particular candidate that you did, and that and and something that shows that the reason that you didn't choose the particular person you did was nothing to do with anything that could be discriminatory. Yes. So um, you know by by having almost a kind of list that you tick against or you score against, so you take your person spec and you you put one to five after each. Each attribute you would like, yeah. and then you score them against it it 's very easy then to be able to prove that you chose that person because they were the best person for the job, not just because they had a British sounding name <laughs> or they were you know or they were male and not expecting children yes um, so um you know I mean we had um, a classic example, a client that we didn't take on um, was uh, somebody who contacted us to ask whether or not they could um, they had they had two managers who had gone off on maternity leave. One was the replacement, the maternity replacement for the first one, and then the third replacement they got in uh, also came in and mentioned that she was pregnant. And uh, they rang me to ask me whether or not they could make a, a rule that um,
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: that no more people were allowed to get pregnant until the original three people had returned to work. So um, so yeah, it, it still very much goes on. Oh right,
3: okay. It was a uh an interesting policy i'd like, to, see absolutely, that I'd like absolutely. to work out how they'd implement it uh, <laughs> thanks for that um so just uh, you, you mentioned discrimination there and it is one of those uh, it's a big subject to say the least and it's very complex one of one of the things that um i've spotted with zelda is that she has this habit of giving people nicknames um uh, in the workplace, so Brioch was called Brioche, obviously a baby name because he was plump um, in, he, in his younger days um, but we we know she struggled with Catherine Cash because she's tried to shorten her name to Cat, Kitty Cat, Cash. Um, is, is there a problem with nicknames? I mean it's, it always seems very friendly between bosses, I and mean, it's a bit off the recruitment thing but I think it's an interesting question.
4: I think the problem is often... They can be given by quite strong characters, who decide, "I'm going to call you brioche because you're a little bit curvy and soft and squidgy." Yeah. And they may not think how it can be interpreted from the other side. Yes. And obviously, the safe thing to do is not do it, because <laughs> you don't want to offend people or yeah. don't leave yourself open for for any sort of discrimination. You know, may, maybe that person's got a medical situation where. They can't lose weight if there's a thyroid issue or something like that, yeah where, you know it it's actually something they 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 struggle with um and I think well Donald will tell me for sure if I get this fact right, but discrimination cases there is no limit to how much can be awarded correct him, um if a case is found against you, so it can be an incredibly expensive, yeah attempt at humor,
3: but it does feel like quite a quite a minefield because people does it does it has a feeling sometimes it m- makes a place less friendly because it's all very very professional it's all you know is 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 that the case or is it is that just people there
2: has yeah do, i mean there, there has to be a, a healthy balance so you know the, the whole using pet names um you know we we see a lot a huge amount in fact even in our own organization but the trouble is that the problem that you have is that if that if that pet name is off of the back of something that's discriminatory so in this particular you know situation he may well have a medical condition um which of course obesity is is um, is a protected characteristic under the equality act 2010 so um which many people don't know so as a result of which that that could well be discrimination right from the very word go yeah um, or alternatively it just makes you look it it outside of the organization it can make you look really quite unprofessional yes because you can often forget that that person is you know is is somebody who's being viewed from outside of the organization as providing a professional service and by almost making you know giving them baby names or daft names can take away some of that view of being a professional which is, which is really important. And also within the organisation, if you're looking at managers and you've got some managers calling other managers, you know, pet names, Kitty and various bits and pieces, it, it's not a great place to start because immediately it, it takes away some of the gravitas that sometimes they may well need. And it, it makes, to some extent, it makes the working environment almost too pally. So that then, when you need to do something about someone's behaviour, they take it very personally, rather than seeing this as a you know that we need to do this because you're not quite performing or you, you've you've taken it a step too far.
4: Yeah, I, I wonder as well if if sometimes if a character in a company decides that they want to apply nicknames or thing, that yes, it kind of puts on a false front mm. it's like oh we're, we're ultra cool we're ultra, ultra friendly, smooth we're friendly yeah. everyone likes everybody we're all best mates yes. when in actual fact you're not and maybe you know that should be recognized and like donna says you need more of a balance between the professional side and yeah getting on with your work colleagues is really really important yeah but yeah it, it's kind of almost like a nod towards a half-hearted attempt at doing something yeah. If you've got a genuinely friendly culture, you'll have a genuinely friendly mm-hmm. culture, and yeah. it'll be obvious to everybody. If you've got somebody who feels they have to instill a culture into an organisation, then it will it'll be fairly obvious that that's what you're doing. And yeah, calling somebody brioche, yeah, yeah, maybe may an example of that.
3: Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. I, I kind of hanker for the days when I started, where I, I I called my boss, Mr Chapman, for the first two years until he gave me permission. Call him by his first name part of me thinks yeah we kind of miss that a little bit um mm. is the respect uh, element in in both ways um uh, uh, and we try to be overly friendly maybe okay um well i'd, I'd just like to um ask uh, for some specific top tips from from you uh from you both and perhaps we could take it in turns. Oliver, focusing on on what getting the the best the sound recruitment um, process in place. What 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 would be your top tips as a recruitment specialist?
4: My top tip the the one thing I always try to instill on on people who approach us to to try and help them is time is your friend. You or you've got to make time your friend rather. You yeah. Know, the, the more time you have, you can structure it properly to capture. A wide variety of candidates to then go through your. You've got time to go through your processes sensibly, um, and give due consideration at each stage. That's recruitment done in a hurry, always worries me a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes I've I've experienced people who are making big career and life decisions sometimes based on a thirty minute, forty five minute chat with somebody they don't know. Yeah. Effectively. Yeah. And that yeah as i say is is worrying when that can be the case because you're going to end up spending 40 however many hours a week with these people you're going to be entrusting them with your company image brands to actually do the job that you you you're qualified to do um never mind from the 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 person um, point of view as well you're giving presumably giving up a secure role a secure income You, you you may have but you're going to have outgoings and commitments um, that you need to ensure you continue with and you you don't want to create a situation where you're unhappy um yeah. and, and, and are desperate to do something about it. So that that would be my top, top tip. And the second one would be preparation and consistency. So that's two in one. There, there you, you go. <laughs> uh, <laughs> prepare to be consistent, maybe? To be consistent. Um, so like we were saying about interview questioning and, and Zara was winging it I'll oh, we'll just take the moment see where the conversation goes with the candidate Yeah, is I think opening yourself up to all sorts of issues potentially and if you've got that plan and consistent approach then everybody's treated the same regardless yeah. of levels of experience or qualifications or background or whatever it may be. Yeah.
3: Well, I mean, we, we saw at the end there that El Capitan came in and was was given a job with no... She didn't even utter a word. No. Um, <laughs> and, and she's been given a job. So, yeah, I can see that um, consistency is, is key. How is she going to maintain that consistency of recruitment mm-hmm. with the next candidate through the door? what what about from your side Donna what were you? so
2: fr- from the legal side um I mean there are many issues here uh, and and many tips uh, the first one being like you know like you've said ollie is is make sure that you prepare you know fail to prepare prepare to fail it and it is is as much here as it is anywhere um make sure that you you understand what it is that you're recruiting for make sure that you put a proper person spec together a proper job description together make sure that when you go to market you choose the right methods in which to 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 search for somebody Pay someone to do it, it will always pay dividends um, for a start because your management time, that's not what you're good at, That's, Mm -hmm. that's often not what you're trained to do, whereas those people you employ to do it for you will do a much better job and you will get a much better representation of candidates that are available. Um, sorry, that was a cheeky plug there for you, Ollie. Thank you very much. Um, but, <laughs> but from <laughs> a from but but from a legal point of view, it it, it is always better to do that. Um, make sure that you have good training in place within your organisation, especially things like equality training, yes. to make sure that those people, if you are going to recruit on your own, that you understand what you're from the legal perspective, what you're expected to do. Um, and and what what discrimination is and how very simple it is to to take unconscious bias they call it mm-hmm. um, where you you in, you you hire somebody who very much fits your own profile rather than the profile of the business so that there's all of those things making sure you get your organizational structure right make sure you get your reporting structure right before you before you go to market. Um, and then sort of off the off the back of that, make sure that when you've got somebody in, that you you properly induct them, that they understand what it is that they're doing, that you train them, get some processes in place so that, you know, if, if you're in the midst of training them, that, that they have something to go back to, to refer to, so that um, it, it's much easier for them to pick up the role. You know, they're going to be very new to this and support them. You know, nobody is going to pick up every element of the job really quickly. Um, so make sure that you're you know once you've got the right candidate in that you look after them mm. because that that's that's often the reason why people leave and then they'll badmouth you. yeah, and and at the end of the day, you want to be the employer of choice. and and that's you know often the the difference between a good employer and a bad employer.
4: I think sometimes in the recruitment process, people forget it doesn't necessarily stop on the day that somebody starts their new job. Um, you hit really. nail on the head there that the settling in period is so crucial so many people say to us we want someone to somebody that can hit the ground running Mm -hmm. and that phrase (laughs) is just so worn yeah and it almost gives the impression it's like right you want somebody to come in and you just don't want to manage them you just want them (laughs) to know exactly how you do things who does what in your office what the, the systems the processes are there yeah um and in reality that that's not necessarily the case at all it's a,
3: usually wildly unrealistic yeah, absolutely and we,
4: we've all started new jobs we all know what it's like walking in there on the yeah. first day not really knowing where you're going yeah. or what you're gonna expect or or anything and i think anything an employer can do to smooth that transition process which can last six nine twelve months down the line can't it so yeah, yeah. um we'll, we'll we'll help you see those returns on on the, on the investment that you've put into the recruitment
2: and also, you know, from a legal point of view, making sure that you get all your documentation in place, especially things like handbooks, where, you know, if you, if you want someone to pick up the phone in a particular way, tell them, show them, show them what your company culture is, explain to them where you want to be in five years' time. You can't possibly have someone who is ready on day one to meet your, you know, to help you meet your goal in five years' time if they don't know what it is. Yeah. So, you know, from, from a legal point of view um understand that you do have legal responsibilities to make sure that they're trained and that you've got you know policies and procedures and contracts in place from day one um and, and make sure you do it
3: okay it does beg the question on on the back of that uh is to whether there's a significant difference between a small business's responsibility or approach to recruitment and a large businesses is there any fundamental difference between the two
2: from a legal point of view, no. no. At the moment you take on a single employer, uh, employee, or um, as most small employers do, they ask me, oh, well, that's OK, I'm not going to take them on as an employee, they're going to be self-employed working 40 hours a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not so much. No. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's the rules apply, whether you're a big organisation or a small organisation, you're expected to have the same responsibilities under the law. So, you know, as an employer... Um, you need to make sure that you know what it is that you're signing up for.
3: Yeah, so the, the kind of the the fallback is, oh, we're we're small and we can be more flexible and we can take a different approach. As, as Zelda's suggesting she can be innovative or uh, modern practices, not really, you know, the same rules apply.
2: Well, and also small businesses become big businesses if they do this yeah. properly in the first place. <laughs> Otherwise, small businesses remain small businesses, and they lose staff as quickly as they recruit them, which is great for Ollie, but not, so, you know, <laughs> and great for me because it keeps me in a job too. Yes. In fact, the more employers who can make the odd mistake, the better on my part, really. <laughs> uh, keeps keeps me keeps me in funds.
4: I think one one big difference between the recruitment in those sort of different scale companies is obviously in a larger company you've got professionals qualified in that certain area. So if you're hiring an accountant, you're likely to have some very yes. good technical knowledge in house who can lead or at least help create the questions that's going to give you an idea of yeah. where their technical capabilities are. Whereas in a small organization, <laughs> it may be, you know, if you're growing, you're doing really well, it may be the first genuine accountant you're you're bringing on board and yes, you, you may be a, a good business person in the general sense, but do you know the ir35 tax rules for example yeah. uh, and everything else around that and it's, yeah bringing so you're gonna have to find someone to to come in and help you on yeah. that front whether that's uh, in a general sense for somebody like donna helping you write those questions and, and set your handbooks up and everything like that whether it's um a, a recruitment agency a consultancy such as Watson evans then yes we can do that or even when it comes down to conducting an interview does, will your firm of accountants will the the accountant that you that you you um communicate with regularly come and sit on an interview yeah um and lend some expertise to yes. that to that situation so which is um, a
3: difficult one to balance sometimes isn't it because of course yeah. they could very well be losing uh, a revenue a stream work, yeah
4: because you're going to
3: bring your bookkeeping in-house or or whatever mm. brilliant okay so uh, we well, i mean this is this is truly scratch the surface this, uh, um, of what is a huge subject, uh, and and people generally offer some of the biggest challenges in business. What other hot topics should should we be talking about in the future? Do you think?
4: I think you've got to go down some sort of disciplinary process. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to make the same comment. <laughs> yeah, disciplinary.
2: <laughs> I'm pretty sure that Zelda needs to be disciplined at some point.
4: <laughs> as as, as it's a company who disciplines Zelda? Well, no. exactly,
2: but no, it's a difficult one, isn't it? But, uh, but,
3: but the, the danger is that she'll discipline somebody or I suppose not discipline somebody that should be. Yeah. That's going to be a, a tricky one. I'll have a think about that. Yeah,
4: or a, a nice legal case coming in from a, from Brioche when he realised when he gets the coffee wrong one too many times yeah. and he gets the boot then yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. maybe his uh, yeah, uh, his uh, philosophy and law skills will uh, lead him to a well I suspect student. the trouble
2: is that that Zelda will ask someone in the cafe you know, well, well, he's got less than two years' service, what should we do about that? Oh, well, he's got no legal rights if he's got less than two years' service. And then you find <laughs> out that, of course, discrimination is uh, is exempt from that little rule. So, um, yeah, but, but we, we do like the pub lawyers. We, they're always oh, a yeah. good one. Yeah,
3: everyone, everyone's got an opinion. Mm. Yeah. Um, brilliant. Oh, well, that, this has been really quite an in, intriguing conversation. I wish we could carry it on, but... Um, uh, 40 minutes wow. <laughs> and, and you've got to edit that down to what we'll work it out actually there's some good stuff in there so I don't know how far we'll go but we'll see how we go um, it'll be good uh, that, that leads me to, to kind of wind up the the episode for today it'll be good to hear from anybody if they uh, agree with you on your on your tips and and your points I'm sure they, they're unlikely to uh, disagree so thank you Donna, thank you Oliver for, for spending some time in my lounge today um, thank everyone for listening uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on what's going on with Sideline, um, what subjects you'd find useful in the future um, we appreciate your shares and likes and comments and ratings all feedback is good feedback it's a good HR term that isn't it <laughs> um, next time that new product that Sideline has created to our uh, started to output may be a problem for Zelda and Jacob In gimme, gimme, gimme.